Hello and welcome back, listeners, to the Dual Screens podcast, the world's number one indie developer podcast, probably. And joining me this week, and I'm very excited about this, is James Barnard, developer of Let's Build the Zoo, a pixelated zoo tycoon sim where you can build the zoo of your dreams and eventually splice up animals into silly yet horrifying abominations of God. James? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for that great intro to our ridiculous game. But yeah, you kind of got it. Right, right. I think we've, it's a lot to discuss about this game, but trailer came out and then I think everyone just fell in love with this thing from the get-go. I mean, how could you not? I hope so. (laughs) So I think a proper lead-off question is, I was reading the game with description on Steam and some of the features with the splicing uh, specifically, how you can have up to 300,000 animal, I guess, types or combinations or outcomes when all is said and done. Is that that an accurate figure? That is an accurate figure. It's a little bit more than that. Sure, I could imagine. So with that in mind, I want to ask you, what is it like having already won Game of the Year? (laughs) As far as animal count goes. No, just Game of the Year in general, across the board. This is just it. (laughs) This is going to be it for us. Nothing can surpass this, I feel. (laughs) If, If you actually have this conversation with me in like, you know, six months or seven months, and it's actually true, Mm-hmm. Then, then I'd be amazed. I mean, it, it would be wonderful to actually, it for it to do well and stuff would be quite incredible. Right. I mean, we're just making a thing we just love, and we just laugh all the time about the stupid things that we put into the game. You know, it's like the idea of crossbreeding animals and cutting all their heads off and gluing them onto each other. It's just a sort of flippant remark. You know, we could do that, and <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll code it. And then I stuck it together. And then um, we didn't really realize the kind of stupidity that we'd unleashed by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the worst part of it was that I thought I could kind of procedurally stick them together, like align the heads to the bodies. Like, oh, you just do one of each kind of body and then it will kind of work. And then the artists were like, no, this is not. This is off by one pixel. I don't like it. So they're physically going through 300,000 animals and hand checking uh-huh. and moving one pixel at a time. And every week I'm like, do you want me to write something to make it easier for you? And they're like, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. And I'm like, this is really bad because we want to add more animals. And if you think about it, mm-hmm. it's it was stupid because it's an exponential math problem, right? Like if I add one more animal, it can then crossbreed with all those 300,000, right. right? So you just get double, <laughs> you know? So suddenly they got to do another 300,000 variants just by adding one animal. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a problem that, so I'm hoping that we can find some magical solution. Yeah, In terms- that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's dedication no, because I would imagine it's like bad Photoshop at first, like, oh, it's like a pig head on like a monkey. It doesn't quite yeah, feel yeah. right or look right, but it just looks silly. So it's kind of charming and endearing. But if you have your artist actually going in and making it look like a real animal of sorts, 
Well, they yeah, they just want it to look as good as possible. Because like a giraffe on top of a rabbit, right? Like, you know, you can kind of get the socket. So I have like a socket point on the top of the head. Sure. So we have these abominations where you draw the animal without the head. You draw the head without the animal. And so that looks horrific in the first place. And then you pick a socket on the neck of the rabbit and that's and then you pick a socket on the bottom of the giraffe neck and they're supposed to lock onto each other but then the artist would be like but it's sticking out by one pixel you can never do all that kind of stuff correctly so they're being very perfectionist about it which i appreciate mm. i personally would never be able to spend my life looking at three hundred thousand animals and then editing the code and moving them because i don't i never even built a tool that's the worst thing they like have to run visual studio and then they type numbers in and then they you know Hit run again. Thankfully, it's in um, Visual Studio in the C sharp, so you can at least change it while the game's running. But um, yeah, dedication, and I, I I keep on feeling terrible about it, and they keep on telling me no. to just listen. It's focus on fixing my bugs. You know, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. So where <laughs> where did this idea come from? Because we've seen typical zoo tycoon kind of sim games where it's like you run your fantasy zoo. You build a theme park of sorts. It's all, you know, attractions. People come in, you management, you hire staff. But then this goes with a few more layers deeper with the splicing and how you acquire animals through maybe a black market. Where did all this come from? This mad scientist, morally um, questioning game. Where did it all emerge from? I think, I think so my company is mostly... How do I put this without it sounding weird? It's mostly girls working in my company, mm -hmm. and they want to make. They like, yeah, zoo games. So we have the meeting. We're like, we might make a zoo game, and they'll get really excited. Mm -hmm. And to them, they're they're big like Harvest Moon fans and things right. like that. So they want to make the cutest damn zoo game in the universe, you know. And I'm more of a. I like things to be really dark and horrific and unpleasant. How do I corrupt you know? so this? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's it. So I'm sitting there working on it day in day out. And the kind of joy is draining from my face because I'm making something so joyful. And then I'm just like, no, I can't take it. <laughs> it's like, and at the beginning, it was very much a conflict of like, I want to do something really horrific here. And then the team are like, why would you do that? And it's like, because it's really funny. <laughs> so, but the, 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 the animal fusion was kind of an off the cuff remark from one of the artists. And, and then it was just a thing to carry it through. Because some of our, our other games, we have like procedural ways of sticking characters together. And I think, yeah, one of the artists said, why don't we do this with the animals? And it's like, yeah, we could. So that was not really meant to come across as dark. Um, mm. But I, I got really into that because of the whole, the whole CRISPR science thing, which is, so people say, it's, oh, it's amazing. It's got this super science fiction element of crossbreeding animals. It's like, well, it's not really actually science fiction, right? It's uh, the whole recent evolution of gene editing mm -hmm. is pretty crazy and so you know we're actually not far from being able to do exactly that to some degree obviously you know i doubt they'll be precise enough to get the head and the body sure. <laughs> and align it pixel perfectly with the crispr editing but so that that's really funny and i find that kind of interesting that also i'm i'm kind of i'm a bit of a hippie i care about like uh not eating meat and stuff like that so um to me, a zoo is morally questionable in the first place. You know, mm. it's like, it's not a happy, joyful place necessarily. There are lots of questions about it. It has its place where it's, I, th I think a zoo is important for 
you know, keeping endangered species alive and breeding programs and things like that, that's pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it's pretty shitty. If you're if you're a little penguin and you're like, yeah, I live in the Arctic or, or whatever. Which way is the end? I don't know. I think they live in the Arctic. Yeah, I'm getting like um, a flashback <laughs> to when I watched like that Blackfish documentary about the whales at SeaWorld. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh yeah. Like, I, I pulled my eyes out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> it's super sad, right? And then so you kind of think, well, can people explore the moral ambiguity of this, mm-hmm. you know? And so on, we've talked a bit about like the dark side, which I find to be really fascinating. And I like death metal and things like that. So I love things that just go as evil as possible. And just the idea of that kind of stuff is fantastic. Like, how can you make this the most horrible, dark messed up zoo it's it's interesting right because then your sick sense of humor gets to just get working you know like oh and if they so if they have some animals and they're babies more people will come to the zoo because there's babies right and then after they hit a certain age if you just automate sending them to the slaughterhouse and then turning them into handbags you know (laughs) this is like a way to make crazy amounts of money and you sell them at the zoo itself you know awesome. you can export them. You get a whole commodity. Oh, you, oh. Industry, you know, <laughs> so you sell them out of your zoo to other places. That's that's the idea anyway. You know, um, some of the stuff isn't quite fully working yet, but um, yeah. But then on the flip side, you can be incredibly good if you want to be, mm. like super super good, and so you can become self-sustainable and not have any carbon footprint and all that kind of stuff, and turn your animals into vegetarians. If that's a this good is, thing. Is it a good is, thing? I don't know. But that's the idea. Yeah. This is the best origin story of a game I heard in a long time. Because usually <laughs> it's like, oh, there was a game jam. And oh, there was an idea when I was a kid. And now that I'm an adult and I can code, I can make my dream come true. You're just like, <laughs> I am going to make this cute thing horrifying. And I'm going to make it, I'm going to corrupt it to its core and make it dark. And I, I, think, I feel... Yeah. I feel like I have to fly down to Singapore now to meet you and 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 buy you like a pint because I get you. Yeah, the darkness. I mean, I understand what you're trying to do. Like, like when I used to work in corporate game development, like I was a lead designer, and always like you have all these ideas and they just can't be done, you know, because marketing won't let you or whatever, and it's just. And it sucks. Even good ideas that are actually wholesome. You think this is a great, a great game idea. And it's just there's too many gates to get your game idea through. And then even once it gets approved, lots of people water it down. You know, someone will say, you can't do that. And in the end, you just give up trying to do ridiculous things. Um, So the last game we released was called Ghost, and it didn't sell very well. But the game itself, you you start off a, a, inside an eyeball and you punch your way out of the eyeball and explodes and then you're a little squid guy. And the entirety of the game takes place inside the body of a god. And so these gods like have these training rooms inside their bodies and you kind of play the whole game in there. You never understand this story. You never understand this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you see the god's face really big and he opens his mouth and he vomits you up and you come running out and then you have a battle with the other champions. And the whole story is super, super dark and weird and you get ripped into a tentacle and you walk around leaving blood behind you and stuff like that. And then those kind of ideas, they're kind of evolutionary. You don't start knowing the full design and you're sort of building something, having fun making a mechanic 
and then you have an idea that's really ridiculous and there's no one there to stop you putting it in the game. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I could do this. And so like, that's, that's something I find really refreshing about not being in a, a corporate game development situation because you just can't do that stuff. You know, you have to get a sign off before you write the first line of code on the basic concept, you know, the vision of the game. You have your like vision statement or something. And then that's supposed to inform everything you do from that moment forth. But um, yeah, we don't do that, which is great. Mm. <laughs> so we get to do just crazy stuff. When we well, want that's to. like so the that indie game, game community as a whole. It's you're allowed to do things that you can't conventionally do because you think about the core audience. Is it going to maybe offend someone? We got to make be sensible in certain ways. And when you're on the indie side, it's just it's all creativity and it's yeah you're limited by your own imagination and what your budget can really do at the time but then with a game like this you have a publisher also so it's you have someone that's validating your <laughs> mind sickness <laughs> while must, you're making this say, so i i sent out a document with a pitch to a pub to a bunch of publishers like a year ago or so mm -hmm. and they all replied with like no if they replied at all, no one was interested in the game. And I spent a bit longer on it. And then I sent out a kind of more polished version and then suddenly everyone said yes, you know? And so it was an amazing switch. And I, I think it had the morality in the, in the document. It wasn't really in the game, but the game just looked great. You could zoom out and see like thousands of people walking around a zoo, a bit like the trailer. And so I think that's really what sold it to people, the publishers, but um, yeah, some of the publishers didn't think that the morality, morality was a good idea. They were like, we, we think this is maybe going too far and maybe it's going to upset people and people just want to play a nice zoo game and they just want to play like roller coaster tycoon or, or, or theme park, but as a zoo. And, that's, and why do you have to put all this dark stuff in? People won't be interested. And I think obviously now it's launched and people are talking about it. There's quite a lot of people that just jump onto that. You know, I'm going to make the most horrific, messed up zoo I can. Right. And, um, yeah. <laughs> And I, I was watching some like Planet Zoo video where some guy is making the most inhumane zoo he can, and he's just making all the animals die and starve. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I want to make a game where there's because I realize a lot of sim players do that kind of stuff, right? Like I do it. I want to test the systems and see what breaks the game. Right. And so the idea is like, well, what if you reward the player for doing that? You let them do it. It's fine. It's not a bad thing. It's not like once you start screwing over your zoo, you're heading for game over. It's like, no, once you're doing that, it's like you're playing Knights of the Old Republic and you're picking your kind of direction, your your morals, and you're getting dark side or light side or whatever, you know, so. I just don't understand, but like, the, this this game, it writes its own headlines. When you take <laughs> something as conventional as a tycoon simulation game where you're running a zoo and you have all these other systems like the black market and the splicing and the morality play that is like the best marketing you have for a game like this and the publisher shouldn't be saying you know all the things that you're doing differently cut that out and keep it to a player's keep it nice and simple and what we're used to it's like they should be embracing all those differences because that's what's selling the game to people because people like weird shit that's unconventional yeah. and it's going to challenge what we think of certain genres and this does yeah. it on such a whole intense level 
it makes me sad that a publisher be like you know what this isn't good for us it's like it's not safe enough to take a risk on so we're gonna pass <laughs> and now look at I mean, it now it's like all over the place but thankfully our publisher no more robots they they get what we're trying to do right so it, it's all good um but i think even with with them i think there's a like I, whenever we work with a publisher i learn so much because i as a self-publishing company we've published like loads of games on our own most mm. of them sold like nothing um you kind of don't learn about your blind spots and i think uh, one of the things that's interesting um is that it, it's about having a singular message. So a lot of the time our games have lots of different ideas in and we kind of have a very confused marketing message as a result. Mm -hmm. And I think No More Robots were very, well, Mike, the guy from No More Robots, he was trying to pick the main thing to focus on to put out as a message. And for him, that was splicing. Mm. If I'd have marketed the game, I probably would have picked morality. And I think mm. he made the right choice, you know, because mm -hmm. splicing is a big headline and the 300,000 animals sounds really cool. And mm -hmm. so I think I was on the wrong side of what would have sold the game. So, yeah, that's why publishers are, are better than me <laughs> on my own, I guess. <laughs> so what does the uh, what does a, a gameplay loop look like in a game like this? When I first boot up the game and I'm building my zoo, walk us through what that looks like on the gameplay side. Um, well, I think there's been a few live streams of it, um, but we're still figuring all that stuff out to some degree. But I think we finally nailed the first like 30 minutes of the game, which really is determining the loop. Mm -hmm. So we have, I wanted to make it very free form. Um, so currently I'm not aiming to build a scenario mode, uh, mm -hmm. but it's also not really a sandbox game either. It's the structure I looked at, which is a bit strange. Um, I looked at Forager a lot. I really like that Great the game. way that game feels. Um, specifically, the idea that if you want to do something specific in Forager, I mean, the objectives, I don't know if you played the game, but as you unlock uh, land, huge the land has like new objectives for you. And it will be randomized which order those objectives come to you in. Um, it's, it's not like that, but it's more like there are many objectives in the game. They're all available to you and you can pick one you want to do and you just focus on it and zero in on that. And there's a whole game you're spiraling off that. And occasionally mm -hmm. the game will say to you things like people will turn up and they'll complain about things. And that gives you an indication that you should deal with that thing if you want to make those customers happy. But maybe you don't care about that thing, right? So you just don't. The people are going, oh, the animals are thirsty or something. And, and you just don't care because you're quite happy for your animals to be thirsty and die because you're going to turn them into handbags anyway. Right. So right. I think you want it's that skin about, nice and loose. So when the time comes, <laughs> you, you can <laughs> overfeed the animals and make them fat. So you get more, more handbag material out of them. So that's, you know, <laughs> that, that's a, a good bit of the design. Um, so I, re I really wanted the player to feel it's still, we're still trying to make this work because it's quite a big, a big kind of goal. But I want the player to feel like whatever direction they go in, the game will present them more things to do in that direction, which sounds a bit strange, but it's like right. a, a skill tree in the game. So for example, if I was to start the game and let me think, some, well, let's say I started trying to focus on being evil, right? There, there's many things that will start happening as you start to be evil. So as your morality score goes down and down and down, new systems will unlock and new things for you to do that are related to being evil. 
And if you were to play good, you wouldn't really see those systems. Um, it's not to say that you can't do both. You can, in theory, play through the whole game as good and then flip your morality and try to become bad and then go back to being good again. Um, but it's, it's, I want players to feel a sense of discovery. Everything they do, there'll be something new surprising them. Um, so we have a lot of, like a lot of systems in the game, a lot of things that you can do. So does it have a concrete like ending? Does the game have like a credits roll at some point? Is there like a pure good morality ending or like oh, all there bad? Is, yeah. if you can if you can reach the maximum there is a maximum morality score that you can reach. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a credit roll moment. I haven't decided yet. I, would, I do like to have credits in games. It makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see the name roll. up there, you know, we made this thing. But no, 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 no. I think the first time I put, like we used to make mobile games. That's what we started when I left like AAA and we did mobile games. And, um, and so we used to have credits in the options or something because those games never end, you know. Yeah. And then when I first made a console game i kind of forgot about credits <laughs> just didn't put them in <laughs> and then i remember i think it was ghost actually when i was working on that i was like oh it needs the credits and i put it in i just remember suddenly it felt like a real game like when it finished and the credits rolled i was like oh wow that's like a proper satisfying end now i feel like the game's really finished and yeah so um credits are great so we'll probably put some in just for that so you feel like you've achieved something um not so i can have my name in the, in everyone's screen that's not mm -hmm. that's not the reason we actually, it's, with our credits, we take uh, everyone in the company's name. Mm -hmm. And every time you watch the credits, we randomize the order. So it's not like, you know, James did this and Christine did that. It's just all our names in a completely randomized order. So, you know, who knows? When you're playing the game at home, if you're on the development team, you're like, yeah, I'm on top. I came first in the credits, you know. So that's... You should splice the names hilarious. in the roles to make a whole bunch of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, splice <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when you talk about the going down the evil path and how things open up for you, the more evil you are, it sounds to me that's like the more entertaining portion of the game. Because I feel like most people who can't be truly evil in real life will go down that path in the game. That's what I do most yeah, of the time. Yeah. How but do you balance is... that with the good moral position? Well, actually, we, we have a fun. We have an Excel and it's, uh, you know, every bad thing has to have a good thing to counter it oh. kind of thing, you know? So it's just like, if there's 15 evil, evil buildings and we need 15 good buildings, we, the balance isn't exactly the same, but it's a good mm -hmm. kind of, it's a good thing to keep you on track. Cause obviously it's way funnier to come up with really evil things. Um, but we locked uh, one of the game's major systems into good and it's a really fun system. So um, the, the good side is actually probably going to be better than I would have originally anticipated. So, mm. you know, all the kind of like carbon neutral stuff means that you get to become self-sustaining. So there's lots of kind of growing things and all that kind of stuff on that side, which is interesting to a lot of people, I think. So you can build a kind of good, wholesome industry or you can build an evil industry up to you, really. I mean, at the end of it, the hilarious thing is you don't even really need to have a zoo. It's up to you if you keep it as a zoo. People will come or whatever, and you, you, but you don't. That's the kind of great thing about the game is that you can take it in any direction you want, or at least that's the hope, you know. At what so. point do you have like a Dr. Moreau thing going on where you're splicing 
people with the zoo animals. <laughs> Did that ever cross that's your something mind? That's that's been talked about. <laughs> I'm neither going to confirm or deny oh that boy. is going in the game. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's got some complexities to it if we were to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I don't think that's a good road to go down. <laughs> yeah, so let's see. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to see that. I mean, that that's that's science fiction. I mean, some of the best science fiction films in, 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 of the horror variety involve yeah. putting a uh, human DNA and animal DNA together, like the fly. For is it science fiction? Right. Is right. it? <laughs> is it? Where we had like. Uh... For years, people have been trying to grow organs for humans on like the backs of pigs and stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's science fiction from a visual aspect, but it's right. not science fiction from an actual, uh-huh. and that's what I find interesting about this stuff. You know, people are, oh, it's so ridiculous, but I always love it when there's like a layer of truth to it. really stupid in the game. And then yeah. you're like, actually it's real, but you never realize, you never thought about it in that way and thought that actually this, this really happens, right? And that's, I find that stuff fascinating. Kind of. Yeah, I feel like when you look at a game like this, you wonder, is either how far are we from doing this or are we doing this now and no one just knows about it? It's all being kept like, it's all in a lab somewhere that no one knows about, top secret. Yeah, but you know, they, they've made glow-in-the-dark rats, I think it is, by isolating the gene from like phosphorus algae or I don't know what it is they've done it from, but they've got a, um, they've isolated the gene that makes jellyfish glow or something. I can't remember what animal it is they took it from. They've isolated that gene and they've put it into other animals and they actually glow. It's a real thing or not. And so that's what I mean. It is real, right? Well, what, is, what, what, what function does that serve? They, 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 they see where well, the, the rats function, are The function house? it serves is that they, they're trying to see whether or not they can successfully gene splice these things, right? And so they try to find genes that are, in theory, harmless to the animal, but will have a visual tracker. So they can easily see that it's actually working and they're doing the thing, right? So they put these like glow in the dark genes in these animals. And like, whoa, it's just crazy. <laughs> you know, there was a documentary on Netflix and some guy, because you can, you can like order CRISPR online and you can do it in your bedroom if you want to. And there's some guy in like a barn and he's like, I'm going to make the first glow in the dark dogs. And he like the whole thing he said, just like splicing these things together and like having like dog babies in his house. And it's weird, like really messed up. And that's like, and that's real. It's really happening, you know? Yeah. I, I don't but, think we're too, we're too far from man bear pig from South Park at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're right there. I'm not. I want that. And I think that's actually a good collaboration for you guys with the South Park people. Like you do a man bear pig, you do a pot belly pig, you do a monkey with four asses. There's like, you can do so much with that. Yeah, like we, we were thinking about whether or not to add like super rare variants. Like, you know, you bring two things and then something else surprising comes out. And I, I do want to do it, but I do wonder if like anyone will ever see it. You know, so you got like a one in 300,000 chance of doing that pairing in the first place. And then what chance, you know, and then we're going to do a sub chance of that, right? So, you know, it's one of those things where you put all this effort into it and there's like one in a five million chance of you seeing this thing. And so probably no one will ever, ever see it. So that's a, we might still put it in because we're into that, but it'd be crazily difficult to uh, know if anyone ever saw it, you know. What are the benefits to having 
like a crossbreed creature or a spliced creature in your zoo? Is it more like for the attraction to have to boost up your attendance and get people to get the rubes in the tent, as it were? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that. It's exactly that, the freak shows of of yesteryear, right? Like werewolf boy or, you know, lobster (laughs) hand man or whatever. It's that kind of, you know, bearded lady, all these like freak show things, right? Like whilst we have moved on as a society a little bit, not really very much, not as much as we should have. Right. um, I still think that people would love to stare at freakish things. You know, so that's the idea that, you know, once you get some freakish weird thing, everyone's going to turn up to stare at it, which is, you know, you, if YouTube has taught us anything, it is that, you know, people, the view counts on things that are a bit weird, are crazy. <laughs> people love it, right? So that's the idea. Anyway, your your customer count will go up with people who are being a bit freakish. And I, I haven't really decided yet how that will impact the kind of people that come to your zoo. But I think it will probably have some impact. Um, so maybe if you have all freak animals, you'll get the weirdest pe- people of society turning up. You know, maybe that's not a desirable result. But um, I mean, that's a tough thing. You, you have all these ideas about how you want the simulation to play out in the mm-hmm. game, and you start writing it down like this should be the result of this, and that should be the result of this. But then balancing all the numbers so that's actually what happens. It's not never that easy you know just making the making it so that we can feed the animals in a predictable way and then not die and starve is hard enough but yeah making all these simulations work together is, is certainly challenging would like a PETA at one point show up to protest your Maybe. Uh... <laughs> there, there are some little protesters that walk around or would you win like a Pulitzer Prize for like best science award or whatever the hell for like this breakthrough of making these animals exist I mean, I think like we've no got worries. a lot of ideas of things that we really want to put in, and some of those things are in. Um, but as we kind of close in on actually finishing mm-hmm. the main content of the game, which is sort of the main loop and stuff, then we can even post-launch just carry on adding more and more moments like that because they're quite easy for us to drop in. Well, easy, you know, they still take a mm-hmm. few days each one, but that kind of stuff. Yeah, I have some. I have one thing in the game that I'm not going to talk about, but it's oh, so good. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, like you my can't do that thing. to me, James. Just be like, yeah, I can. it's I can. a cool I can. thing, but I can't discuss it. <laughs> it involves cows. Just collect a lot of cows. Oh, boy. Anyway, that's probably already given it away. Cow level confirmed. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, what doesn't make it into a game like this? What was, when you were putting this thing together, much like your spliced animals, and you're making things fit, what was deemed in your on your end too intense, too insane, too over the top that couldn't make the cut? Or not even that, just we'll put a pin in it and then maybe we'll get back to it at some point later. Well, I think there's some stuff I really want to do, but it's too technically challenging. And so that's more like either if the game does really, really well and we can afford to go back and do a kind of technical rewrite, we could do these things, or we save it and make the next game like that. So big, huge technical challenging things, you know, like bringing more kind of multiplayer components into it, um, which I, I still love to do that stuff. But so technical things definitely become a bit too much. And ideas that are too dark. Yes. I don't, know. I, really I don't know if any of those got cut, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, I think... 
Because the graphics are so cute, you know? It's like That's you can get away part. with stuff. It's that juxtaposition <laughs> of the pixelated <laughs> cuteness and these dark moral issues. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you could totally get away with it. A cute, a cute person doing horrific things is uh, it's not so bad, right? Yeah. Um, they're just sprites <laughs> committing these, abom- and, these horrifying yeah. acts upon animals. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so when is this thing coming out? When can we expect to play Let's Build um, Zoo? I think our publisher is saying something like this year. I don't know what they're saying, actually. <laughs> I think by the end of summer is, is mm-hmm. where we're heading. Yeah, so within the next five months, okay. probably less. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I've probably said all these things in this interview <laughs> that I'm not supposed to say because they, they keep the on- best part of the show. <laughs> managing like the, the way that the, the details of the game are kind of released. So it's like they, they do that and I keep out of it. But then, you know, I talk to you and I just talk about everything in the game because I don't care. But, uh, you know, because I think I, I know nothing about marketing, terrible at it. And I guess there's like a reason to hold things back. So there's a kind of narrative that you build over time about the game. And, you know, um, yeah, I don't know anything about that, as I just said. Mm-hmm. That's why I make games and I can't sell them. <laughs> this is actually compared to your previous works, like I think your largest project to date in terms of scope. Because you've worked primarily on mobile games and then you moved on to console eventually, but this is like a really huge project for for Spring Loaded Software. Yeah, we had um, we've had a couple of projects that kind of led up to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did a, a kind of arcade city builder thing on mobile that was also supposed to, also supposed to be on console, but we kind of haven't finished it on console. It's still sitting on my hard drive. Um, and some of that code was actually used as the base for this game. And prior to that, rolling back about two, three years, maybe, maybe three years, I started making a kind of space city simulator um, where you know you had no oxygen and you were in these little capsules and everyone, it was supposed to be very, very simple. It was more about the idea of simulating how families work and they move around. So there'd be, I remember writing all the simulations for how the people had children and it was really complicated. And I was looking up actual fertility rates and relating them to stress. And I was using a real numbers from the world and building this hugely complicated system. And like, so if you made the people work too many hours, they wouldn't have enough time together where they weren't tired to actually have sex. So they would never have children and things like that. And I had a lot of fun, like just making the simulation. And then we moved on to doing a game with so silly. E-Boy, who are like some of my favorite artists in the universe. And uh, we spent like a year on that thing. And then it's also just sitting on my hard drive and hasn't come out. So it's like the city builder genre has been in our blood for like Mm -hmm. three years of solid work. It's Mm -hmm. pretty longer than that even. And whilst I'm I'm aware, yeah, this is the biggest game technically that's ever made it out of our studio. Mm. (laughs) It's like it's built on so many other big projects that we never quite pulled together. Um, it was inevitable. We've been doing this for a long time. It's great to finally finish one that reaches the kind of scope that we'd always hoped to make. You know, um, would you ever consider going back into the AAA space, or is this is this where it's at for you? Having this uh, level of freedom, creativity? Yeah, no, just... no way, man. No way. Like, <laughs> I, 
I hate it. Like, I, honestly, uh, our company's gone through some pretty tough times. Like, definitely got really close to the edge. Mm-hmm. Like, five years ago, I had $10 in my bank account. That was pretty Holy bad. Shit. And we launched a game. And it wasn't finished, the game. And then Apple and Google featured it, like, really heavily featured it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, I couldn't sleep. And I remember waking up, turning on my iPad, and seeing it at the top of the app store. And I started crying, you know, and it was so, such an emotional, stressful moment. And, as, and when I started my company, because in AAA, I got overpaid, I said to myself, well, if, if I ever end up with like less than this amount in my bank, then I'll close the company. I'll close the company and I'll go back to getting a job. Right. And then when I ended up with $10, it was pretty clear that I wasn't giving a crap about my original rules, you know, sure, and I was yeah. trying to like, I was trying to sell my house in the UK that I bought when I had too much money, but because I'm not a UK, no, I was trying to remortgage it, but because I'm not a UK citizen anymore, I couldn't actually get another mortgage. So then I was thinking about selling it, but yeah, super crazy. So we've gone really deep into the, the darkest places. And, um, and I always thought that if it did actually get as bad as it possibly could, and I'd have to close the studio, I don't know if I'd want to do games anymore. Like, I love it so much. It's like my favorite thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so going back to AAA and being told what to do and having to, like, lose all that freedom, it would just kill me, man. Like, I, I remember how much it killed me before. Right. And now I know how to run a company and, and actually make games and release them it would kill me 20 times over now. It's it's like when you're in a AAA company or any company, really, it's like there's your position is in the dev team and you can't possibly understand what it's like to talk to Sony because that's somebody else's job or mm. you're getting a dev kit, it's very difficult. And there's all these kind of walls of places that keep you in your place and you think, Too wow. Too much bureaucracy, yeah. Yeah, and how would I, I don't understand how you make a full game. So I'll just stay in my little box. And then once you've left and you've made some indie games and you understand the kind of full scope of the business from you know, idea to selling a game, then you realize, oh, all of it's quite, there's lots to learn, but I understand all the steps. And so if somebody in a AAA company was sort of acting like a wall between me and one of those steps, I think it would just drive me crazy. And that's kind of historically what it's like. I think lots of people clinging onto their little positions in the ladder and trying to defend their their kind of place and Mm -hmm. justify it, you know. Um, I can see where all the darkness comes from now. Because that's like, <laughs> that is <laughs> $10 in the bank, launching a game and just having this pit in your stomach, wondering, uh, yeah, am I like, going to make like, it uh, through this? Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm single. I've been single for quite a while now. Like every relationship I have, like collapses into a horror show because I just work all the time. You know, like my last girlfriend, she said to me, I'm dating the back of your head. You know, because I'm just there like programming at the weekend. You know? <laughs> and so... I, th- I think there's that thing because I, I live in this constant fear that I'm going to have to go back and get a job or something, you know, and it's like that terrifies the shit out of me. So, yeah, I work all the time to, to try and make that not happen. You know, Yeah, you see um, now and you take all these headlines on like the polygons, the game spots, the Kotaku's. It'd be like, hey, ex-girlfriend, the back of my head brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, You're trying to keep uh, me down. <laughs> well, there, there, there was one girl who was like, I just remember she was. See, it's I'm terrible boyfriend. That's why I know that. That's why I'm single. I should never date anyone. I just remember her saying, I'm, I'll put up with this relationship with you working, you know, and, and because one day it'll pay off. And then when we broke up, she was like, 
she was like, I invested all this time, you know, and I never, I never saw it through to the time when, you know, you finally have this hit game or something. It's like, yep. Oh, well, well you know. it's horrible. Absolutely fucking horrible, to be honest. Yeah. So, well, patience is a virtue for a reason, you know. She could have <laughs> stuck it to the end and could have been here today walking around the background this, in this very exact interview, <laughs> waving at the camera, <laughs> just beaming yeah. with pride. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't think I would have finished. To be honest, I don't think I would have finished the game. Mm. You know, like I think that's what I. It, it's a lot to ask. It's you have to put your whole self, literally, into a project like this. Because for an indie dev, and we've spoken to countless developers, it's all about getting it done. You can't let anything. And it's a distraction, but you have to be hyper focused. So yeah, it's like yeah. a tunnel vision thing. You have to you have to like eat, sleep, and live the project. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit different because I eat, sleep, and live projects. <laughs> projects, plural. yes. Yeah. Like, uh, to me, my idea of relaxation is to just work on a different game. Um, wow. <laughs> so I have, like, I think in the company, we've got, like, seven games in development or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's wild. But <laughs> if, I watch, if I watch TV or I play a mm-hmm. game, that ends up feeling... I can only do it for, like, 30 minutes, and then I start feeling really weird and i have to stop and go and work which i I don't think any of this is healthy Mm -hmm. i I think this is like a a kind of an amalgamation of like eight years i've had my company an amalgamation of eight years of just feeling that fear of failure so you're like okay i've got to work on the next thing i've got to get the next thing ready because that's the only reason that we survived you know like Mm -hmm. um surviving for eight years without really we had like one hit at the very start but surviving for eight years without really any money is just the only way we've done that is like shipping game after game after game, you know? So, um, yeah, not, not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then at the same time, I, I somehow find it fun. Yeah. I, every day I make By something. Some miracle you do. Great. And we're really glad for that because yeah. now we have this amazing <laughs> thing to look forward to. Hopefully the next yeah. five to six months. Uh, I think yeah. the, a good compromise is you not going back into a triple A space one day, but maybe even just consulting. Cause I think triple A needs, to be shaken up in a weird way. And ideas like this need to come through in a more big budget manner and allowed to- Yeah, like, like Returnal is, is interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. I played it for an hour, I think, mm-hmm. in total. And I couldn't take the fact that I couldn't make any progress and save it. But I like the fact that someone's taken, even though it's like just copying a million indie games, but I do like the fact that mm-hmm. there's that in AAA. I'm sort of confused by the fact isn't Deathloop like the same thing? Right. And so suddenly it's like, well, it's AAA has decided to commit to doing roguelikes in like yeah. really high fidelity. And then right, we'll, do, we'll do that. And then maybe we'll yeah. do some more weird shit later on down the line. <laughs> PS5 is so weird. It's got it's got Returnal, it's got Deathloop, and then even Souls, right? Like those three games are mm. all super difficult, probably. Don't know about Deathloop, but I'm guessing it will be, right? Mm. And it's like my PS5 and me, we're just like, we look at each other longingly, waiting to connect in a loving way. You know, Astrobot, <laughs> we, we we shared a moment there. It was oh, lovely, yeah. But it was That's a good moment. It was fleeting. And, and now my PS5 is like, sorry, sorry, I'm so difficult. So, sorry, I'm, I'm so hard to be with. I know I'm very difficult, on up, but but please just stay with it. And I play Returnal going, it's okay. We'll find our time. We'll find our moment to be together. So you're the girlfriend now, James, in this scenario. Yeah, the <laughs> and the PS5 is saying, just stay with it. Don't worry. <laughs> greatness awaits yeah, yeah series x is not even trying yet that's a problem it's like i'll have some games one day you know 
All right. And I think with that, it's a nice way to segue into rapid fire. Gin. Oh, God. Are, are you ready for this? Let me have some gin. Yeah, you, you do that. You take that gin shot. It's, it's not really gin. It's water in a gin yeah. bottle. But the great thing about the, the gin, this particular gin bottle is it's hexagonal, so it doesn't roll out of my fridge sideways. Oh. So yeah, great, a, great reason to use a gin that's bottle. That's a nice little for. design. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, see, ready. now, if I knew you were so dark, I would have more. I think I have some that are geared more towards a dark personality, but we'll get there. <laughs> All right. Would you rather have an exact clone of yourself or $1 million? An exact clone of myself. Mm. That is the right answer. Would you rather <laughs> have... It, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think my ex-girlfriends would have liked me to have the exact clone of myself because then they'd be <laughs> like, oh, you're coding. I'll go out with James too. I can like get at least double the time out of you. Right, right. And, Maybe right. there's some semblance of a relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Two of you makes a whole you in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still, <laughs> That's still really half of me, but you know. Right. 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 <laughs> Would you rather hey, have the, the ability to lie perfectly or you have to always tell the truth? Oh, always tell the truth. Mm. For sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I do that anyway. So mm. it's okay. I'm unfortunately afflicted. With right. That. I mean, any person that can tell his dev team, like, oh, you want to do a cute zoo game? That's cool. But I want to make it like dark and morally questionable. That's yeah. pure honesty right there. <laughs> I mean, the reason, uh, like, not going back to AAA, one of the things I remember was um, having a meeting about the future of the, the team size and all that kind of stuff and the projects. And, and loads of times people would say, you cannot tell the team that this is going to happen. Like the game's going to get canceled in two weeks. It's like, what? okay. And then I just go and tell the team and say, you can't tell anyone. I told them I wouldn't tell you, but yeah, don't worry. Don't do any work. <laughs> just chill out. <laughs> you know, things like that. There's, there's all these layers of bureaucracy where you're not allowed to, because there, there's always concern about how things are going to be messaged to the team. Again, I, I, I remember this one meeting. Comes from. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it was so crazy. I remember this one meeting. I was sitting in America and the team was back in Singapore. And then we were talking to the team over a camera over like a polycom thing mm -hmm. and one of the we knew the game was getting cancelled in the us but we weren't allowed to tell the people back in singapore and this guy couldn't even bother to come to the meeting right because what's the point game's getting cancelled right so why keep up the pretense anyway so the guy with me said said something like oh he's sick today and it's like he's not sick i saw him like a minute ago and then he came walking through the door and just about to come on to camera after this other guy had said he's sick. And suddenly the other guy turns around and goes to him like that, forgetting that he's on camera. And all the people in Singapore go, what's going on? And he's like, I can't remember. You, you might have said something like, I was a fly or something like that. And I was like, oh, come on, you know. And I do like these. these all of these people involved I actually like. They're all cool guys. It's just the right. system of like the way the studio is set up that you you have to message things correctly and you've got to just feels so fake you know just just sucks. how does that benefit yeah, people you're working on a thing that's never going to happen <laughs> yeah. whose feelings are you trying to save at that point what is i'm trying to tie like the thought back to why lying to to people who are working <laughs> on something how that's I, a I good think, thing i think the idea is that so lucas lucas arts there was this moment where we changed president 
And basically the new president came in and he didn't like anything that was being developed and he canceled everything pretty much. And then he decided to have a think about what we were going to do next. Mm-hmm. And they spent like nine months or something. It was ages, like without giving us any projects, without saying you can start on anything. And so everyone was like in training and doing all kinds of stuff. And I think in a big company like that, they just like you to be busy. They don't like downtime, right? Because it's like, right. it feels like they're wasting their money, even if mm-hmm. they know they're wasting their money. But also people become disenchanted, right? They become like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I'm just sitting around waiting for work. So they just try to find things to keep people busy. Mm-hmm. And I hate that, right? Because like as someone who just knows that you can make an incredible product with, with that kind of size of team, you can make something amazing really quickly. But they, they don't want to ever commit to just saying, oh, take those two weeks of staff and make something cool, right? Maybe it's different in some AAA companies. I don't know. I don't have that many yeah, AAA companies. Would experience, right? They would say, all right, we release something. We're not sure what's happening in the future. You guys get together and just do something fun for the time being until we announce yeah. like our next big project. And that's maybe, like maybe some focus. other studios are like that. And yeah. Maybe I'm just, I just had some bad experiences. I sure. don't know, but yeah. <sighs> oh Sorry, I'm not, I'm not helping with the quick fire. No, 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 I, still. I the, that, that's, that's the purpose of this, Jam. It's, it's for stories like this to emerge that are locked and pressed deep inside of you. (laughs) Yeah. What is something- Do people listen to this or do they watch it? Is it just sound? No, it's both. It's on YouTube and audio. Okay, for the people who only only have sound? I'm in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Not the first time we had an actual guest go to the bathroom on the show. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's that. Again, that's why the show is so good. What is something that you're terrible at, but you wish you could be really good at? Oh, dear. Besides being a boyfriend. Playing the trumpet. Oh, that's oddly specific. Why that instrument? I always wanted to be in a surf rock band. Like, I I was in a surf rock band, and I played guitar. Because you Uh you say whatever comes to mind, right? So I'm trying to think think what it could be. Um, right. And I always wanted to do like trumpet solos over the top, but just could mm-hmm. never, never really tried. I had an oboe, no clarinet, couldn't play mm-hmm. that either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in reality, if it's related to games, it would be, I wish I was better at art. Mm-hmm. I wish I was better mm-hmm. at it. Like I've done art for our games and stuff, but it generally mm-hmm. sucks. I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that, that I super suck at it i think anything if you just work at it you can mostly get good at it Mm -hmm. like i was talking to some kid the other day he appeared in my terrible twitch stream like the one that you know two people watch every time i do it Mm -hmm. but i do it so that i feel like someone's watching me so i can't take a break from coding um but yeah he was talking about his amazing game design and did i want to get on board and make his game i think he was just going through twitch finding random programmers and um, built his game Yeah, and it was some card game, and then he linked me the rules, and he'd written all these rules, like, super detailed in in, um, a document uh, on Google Docs. Right. And what was weird about it was he said he'd spent years making this game. And I said, like, well, just code it yourself, man. Like, I know that it's hard, but if you're putting this many years into it, and he goes, Mm -hmm. oh, my brain doesn't work for programming. I can't do it. And it's like, I I get that, but you can. Right? Like, right. It frustrates me when people say they can't do things and then they're just looking for a shortcut because they can't be able to learn. And things that have been done by other human beings before. It's like, we're, I can't fly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can't. We can't do that, but <laughs> yeah. we can code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't mean to be dismissive about like 
how hard it is to learn, but it's just like one of those things that for me, it was super, super hard to learn how to program. Like when I started my company, I was really a designer. I'd not really done much coding, you know? And I remember when I first learned the concepts of programming, like one of the hardest things ever to learn because I didn't have a teacher or anything. I was just doing it at home before I'd even joined the industry. And I think, well, you know, if I can do it, you could do it. And I, I don't mean that in a, I, I just don't like the, the attitude that people have where they say things are easy for you, you know, mm. like, oh, you can code and you can play guitar and you can game designer. It must be easy for you. It's like, well, it's not. You just don't know how many hours it took you know, yeah. like, to do these things. Right? It's like, you know, company for eight to 10 years. That's where all that craft comes from. It's I've yeah, built yeah. towards this. I had to learn along the way and also working prior to that with, triple a studios and all that stuff so it's not so i probably could learn how to play the trumpet if i sure. really put my mind right to it, right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah I, I i wish that like in some ways like because i'm really old and i learned how to code mm -hmm. almost before the internet you know it mm -hmm. feels that way um yeah i think now it's easier than ever to do these you can things, watch a right? youtube series or a, attend a yeah. class online it's we made these yeah. things so much easier now than it was years ago. So I understand the frustration, like, bro, you can totally do it yourself <laughs> and leave me the fuck alone. All right. <laughs> Next question. Imagine for a moment, someone close in your life, be it a teammate, a best friend, a sibling, your PS5. All right. Your PS5 gets a phone call in the middle oh. of the night. Says, oh my God. James is in jail. He's been arrested. Oh, what, no. what crime have you committed, James? Oh, <laughs> it's going to, have I ever, no, I've never been to jail, um, but it's going to be drinking related, I think, probably. Mm. I'm just going to have got really drunk and I'm well, going to fall asleep See, that's what's leading up to the crime. So you've had a bender. Oh, no, I've, I've fallen asleep somewhere very inappropriate. I've got really <laughs> drunk. And I've walked out of like some bar in Singapore and I've seen some like religious monument of some description. Um, and you like there's some yourself. like a dragon or something and I've decided just to sleep on it. And that's, and then I've been arrested. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's happened, I think. Probably. Probably. What yeah. is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Oh. I climbed onto the roof of a, oh, there's, oh, it's quite a few good ones, actually. No, They're all quite better. similar. They're all about climbing. <laughs> all about climbing. Um, one time, my friend was driving his car. It was in my first job. We were making some GBA games and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we left the office. My friend got in his car to drive it. And I jumped on the front of the bonnet and held onto it. And I thought he wasn't going to really drive, right? It was like right. a joke. And then he started driving. And then he put his brakes on and I flew off the car and I remember landing quite awkwardly and my head whipped back and I just Ooh. put all my force into my neck and somehow I didn't crack my head on the ground. It was oh, really how scary, are you not right? dead? Yeah. Another time, my friend in Singapore, he has a van and I decided to, this is great. This is 15 years later or something. You'd think I would have learned. I decided to try and climb on the top of his van. And uh, yeah, I fell off. Thankfully, I didn't get on the top of the van. What bad things would have happened? It was for some reason I thought it was funny. He owns a restaurant, and he was like, here all the scaffolding that people use is made of bamboo, and it's like looks crazy when you see scaffolding that's not made of metal. You think, how does that work? 
And um, I was quite, it was a different night and it was, I was quite drunk and I decided to climb up the scaffolding. He's like, yeah, let's go on the roof. And it's like, okay. And I remember going up like three runs of the first ladder and I fell off because I was too drunk. And then he's like uh, looking at me like, oh, maybe you're too drunk. And I was like, no. And then I just went up anyway. It was like, there's, it was like a warning, you know, falling off was a warning that I shouldn't go on the roof of a building. Right. Another time in Japan, I jumped between the two two building rooftops in the rain. That was cool. We, we thought it was funny to wander around on the roofs, um, but I didn't know injury. So these are just times I should have died. Right, I right. Many, many times I should I'm have died. I'm going to have to amend this question for future interviews now because I feel like it's a whole different line of answer I'm getting from you. <laughs> it's like that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive series, you know? <laughs> What are the things you've done that should have killed you? Right, um, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's many more. I'm going to actually write um, that exact question. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note, what word would you think best describes you when you've been drinking too much? Besides <laughs> um, reckless, I imagine. Oaf-like. Oaf is a good word. Oaf-like. I don't even know if you know it in America. Oaf is a Oaf. good, yeah. I love yeah, that. I'm going to say oaf-like. Oaf. Yeah. You know? Just, uh, yeah, full of energy and idiocy, really. Hopefully joyful as well. Right. I don't think I'm an unpleasant drunk person. I hope right. not. Now, recently, actually, I tell you, recently, I started getting a bit angry sometimes when I get oh, drunk. I never used drunk. to. Never, never have been. And then a couple of times recently, I, I found myself losing my temper a little bit. And I, and I don't like that. I don't know what, what's brought it on. Is it being old? Like, you get old and you get grumpy. You're a grumpy old man? Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about it. So what yeah, you, it's happened. Huh? What's making what you angry? What's making you so mad? What are you thinking about? <laughs> one of one of my friends, he works at Microsoft. He works in the in the store, the Asia uh-huh. store, and he's not really in games at all. And he sure. was telling me about like his big vision for Microsoft and how they should do games in Japan and and all this stuff. And I was all like, right. well, they did. And I started telling him about the history of like Mistwalker and all these mm-hmm. that kind of big thing they did. And then um, he just started telling me that he knew better. And I, and I was like, no, you don't. You don't even know anything about your own company. And I was, I was a bit grumpy. <laughs> and then another time, someone came into my flat. As you can see, I have a pretty small flat. Yeah. And, um, and he came over and to, to drink my beer. And he walked in and he said, I've never been into one of these half flats before. And I was oh, like, is that, is that an insult? I don't know if it's an insult. And then he's carried on like that a it's bit. It's like saying, that. oh, it's so cozy in here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, rustic. Right, so, yeah, right. I, I just remember being a little bit terse with him. Mm. And maybe if I spoke to him, he would not consider that I was terse at all. I just, I remember feeling it like, oh, I'm being a bit mean. I shouldn't be a bit mean. So th- these points of me getting angry, they're just me expressing myself in a very direct way. And I... It's not really anger. I don't. I, think, I just don't feel good about it. I'm used to being more like, oh, happy nice. You know? I think when you've been drinking, you realize that you have a lot of oafs in your life, and then that, <laughs> the anger from that, <laughs> comes forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I do think it's a facet of maybe like recent stress to do with like game development and stuff. Like mm. it's, I'm definitely. So at one point, I was trying to pitch a game to to Game Pass at the same time as building the zoo game. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to pitch something else. And so I had like three projects on that I was trying to juggle. And in the end, like that, that was probably the most stressful bit. And in the end with the Game Pass folks, I just had to stop talking to them because I couldn't get it done. I just had to like 
stop and focus on one thing. And I think it was around there that I was getting a bit antsy with people, you know. That's actually, I want to like do a quick pivot. What is that process like pitching a game specifically for Game Pass? Is that like different than a conventional game pitch? Like, is it how do you structure that, that that makes it seem like this is a good fit for this service? I think uh, I don't really know. <laughs> that sounds stupid. I don't really know. Um, so glad I asked. I've been I've been trying for ages to like do that because I think, as terrifying as it is, I believe that the future of our industry is going to be through services like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not in in those services, you're just going to not make any money. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, I own an Xbox and I don't buy games anymore. I just have Game Pass. Right. And I assume. Right. If a game, if I want to play a game, it's probably going to come to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I have to really, really be into it to buy it. Mm-hmm. So I think looking at that future, it's really important to me to get onto those services, right? Mm-hmm. So I spoke to Microsoft a few times, mm-hmm. and eventually somebody did talk to me about it. Um, I think the only thing I discovered out of it really was that they're looking for things that they don't really have on their catalog, mm-hmm. so things that are different and are unique and um, the bit that concerned me a bit was, but it makes sense. This is the way it is with publishers um, sometimes, like uh, mobile publishers and stuff. Um, well, platform holders, actually. So like if, if you want to work with Apple and they're going to have a meeting with me, they, they would say to me like, well, our meeting with you, James, is, is great. But mm-hmm. if you were p- representing 20 games, it would take the same amount of time for us to talk to you and the same amount of investment. So it's the same cost for us to get 20 games and one game, right? So mm. same with, actually it was Google who I was talking to about that, but it's the same with uh, Xbox, I guess. They just right. they would rather sign a few games than one game because gotcha. then it makes okay. it that more cash efficient for them, right? right? Um, so there's, there's no real process. I was just trying to pitch my game and if, <laughs> if ever I get a game on Game Pass, I can come back and tell you about the process. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, but, but for now, all I know is it looked <laughs> like it was going okay and then I just hid because I couldn't, deliver a demo and that was mm-hmm. it really which is yeah. to play on the whole splicing and just terrifying science fiction creatures of let's build a zoo would you rather fight a hundred horse sized no, sorry would you rather fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses <laughs> <laughs> That's the best question I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> okay. Where am I? This is an open field. Open, open field. field. Have, in space. To really, there's nothing you know, around me that I can use. There's not like trees that I can climb. Or you're in your you're you're in your half flat. <laughs> I'm in my half flat. Oh, then I've got tables and things. So I think the the smaller ones I can climb away from. Because mm-hmm. I don't think a small horse can climb mm-hmm. up things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's easier to escape. I don't want to have to kill any of these things, you see? Right, but the they're duck, his beak, His beak's going to be piercy and breaky, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but then ducks are really cute, right? Yeah. Big, big duck would be quite cute, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to hug him. And maybe it's okay to die that way. Right. Just, right. just gently welcome the eternal sleep as, as my mouth... As his beak gently caresses my skull and crushes mm. it into a pulp, whilst I That's... hug him and feel his soft downy feather 
After all, you know, they used to use duck feathers in luxury pillows, right? So, well, that's even more reason to fight the thing. That's like endless pillows and blankets. Yeah. Yeah, the value. I don't want to kill him. I want him to live forever. I'm not going to kill any of these animals. Or you could tame him and he'll be your magical animal friend. Ride him around. That you can be as a mount. Yeah. That'd be great. Be like playing joust. I'll be riding this giant duck around the town with a top hat and a monocle. Yeah. That's what I imagine. Hello, this is just me and my duck. Uh-huh. It'd be wonderful. New hit series on YouTube. Um, <laughs> would you rather be a reverse centaur or a reverse merman? So it's the top half is the animal part. You got your human legs going on, but your upper body is a horse or a fish. Which of the two oh. would you rather be? Okay, it, may, it doesn't make sense to be the fish. It makes no sense because a fish, you got to live underwater and then you got crappy human legs to go around with. Human legs are not made for swimming, right? It makes no sense to be that way. So I'd have to be the other way. At least that sort of works, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's still crap though. I mean, right. you'd have these really powerful front legs, mm-hmm. right? And then you'd have your crappy human back legs, but at least, mm-hmm. you know, you can make it work. You could, you could cut off your human legs and replace them with wheels. And mm-hmm. then give him back his power. You know, the front half mm-hmm. can have all the power. I think that could work. All right. Put a lot of thought into that answer. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a body part you wouldn't mind losing if, <laughs> well, if one of these accidents ever had like some really real consequences to your body and something oh came God. off? <laughs> what would you be like? But, um... eh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, that there's there's an answer I don't want to say. Being single, you know, maybe there's one useless part of my body. Ah. But uh, ah. <laughs> but no, I'm not going. That's not my answer. My answer is going to be uh, depend. Well, obviously, you're going to pick the smallest you can get away with. In a, in a question like this, there's you want to push the rules. Like, is a toe acceptable? Mm. You know, is right. a finger is that a body part? It is a part of your yeah, body. Yeah, you know. If, it, if right. it's a full limb, if we're talking arm or leg or head, mm-hmm. um, I guess it would be a leg. Mm-hmm. I think you can get pretty good robotic legs now. I think that's okay. I think that's the mm-hmm. one you can lose. Not to, for anybody watching who's lost a leg, I'm not making light of the terrible thing that you've mm-hmm. gone through and the terrible ordeal you've had. But um, that would be my choice. Because mm-hmm. you make it look so good. If you've got, if you've got like a missing leg and they walk around, it looks. you see people operating... Yep. They make it look like it's okay. It probably isn't okay. But I was watching this thing about bionic limbs last night at like two in the morning on YouTube because I fell into a weird hole on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And I was like, these things look so interesting and cool. Like, it makes you want to wish you were missing an arm or a leg. They're, they're, they look so <laughs> badass. It's like, that's like a fucking cyborg arm that's like fully realized and functional. It's like crazy, right? Uh, but the thing I'm curious because it, it, it uses some of them use your electrical. In, I I don't know, right? Maybe I'm completely wrong. Some of them people use muscles and they cleanse yeah. their muscles and that makes them do different things. But I think there are ones that actually read your electrical impulses, right? So you actually mm, yeah. can use it a little bit like. So I'm wondering if we could train ourselves to use electrical impulses to other bits of our body, like our elbow, you know? We could have an extra mm-hmm. hand on our elbow. So we could have a bionic elbow hand. I don't know what you do with another hand on your elbow, but I'm wondering if we could train ourselves to use an extra hand. 
There I mean, it might a... be useful when you're you're typing and you can eat, like right. typing whilst eating an apple, like that. Dude, that that's so insane. Good. There was a video I saw of a of a quadriplegic. They had a microchip in his brain because he had a spinal injury, Ooh. so he couldn't move any of his of his limbs. So they had a chip in his brain, and then this thing attached to his arms to a computer. So essentially, the signal from his brain was going to the chip into a, a PC, which made his arm move. Like it read the signal. And I was like, that is, that is so cool. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Wow. Did you see the, did you see the, the Elon Musk brain thing? Did you see that? Oh, I have not video? seen that, the, no. There's, um, so it's pigs, right? They're doing mm-hmm. it on pigs. Or is it yeah. monkeys? I don't remember now. But anyway, they, yeah, I know. So I think it's a monkey. Anyway, so they, okay. they teach a monkey how to play Pong. Mm-hmm. And um, then he's doing it with his brain. And he's like sitting there and he's like getting fed like a milkshake or something. And he's playing Pong. And then he's using the joystick mm-hmm. with his hand. But the joystick, they unplug it. And then it's just playing the same. And you see that sometimes it like loses connection. But it's like, it's pretty amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame that the chips that they're using, last time I heard about it, they actually, your your brain is very corrosive as a place for things to be. And oh, so yes. the, the chips like break down and then you end up dying. But you know, that's right. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. But yeah, amazing. We're, we're properly there with like this stuff. Yeah, right? we're so really, really zoo needs quite literally almost dust. there. Yeah. Oh it's God. really scary, right? So, so dogs, yeah. the, the dogs that can talk are maybe, you know, closer than mm. we think. All right, last two questions. They're gonna be fun ones, I promise. In the, in the slow fire, fun, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pick one animal from your crossbreed DNA splicing, let's build a zoo catalog of animals that could be an oh, actual no. real life animal you could oh, own. Shit. Which one would it be? Actually, it's easy. It's easy. It's not so difficult because um. Okay, when I, when I was in a band, I went on tour in Europe years ago, and we went to this one place, and um, they were having this barbecue out front, lots of pork and beef and stuff, and then we played in the venue, but they had a pet pig. The pig mm. was called Texas Motherfucker, and we slept <laughs> like, in the back, like in this horrible, shitty like caravans, and there were these spiders, like really big spiders everywhere, and it's horrible. I don't really like spiders. I woke up, but as soon as the sun came up, I was out of there, right? And sitting outside. And then I just played with the pig for hours. And it was just this incredible experience where I just realized how affectionate and loving the pig was. It was probably more loving than a dog is. And it was mm-hmm. just so, I just I felt this like deep love for this pig. Mm-hmm. And so for, ever since then, I've always really wanted a pet pig. If ever I get a chance to go near a pig, I always want to do it. Right. And then the other animal I really love, but I've never had the chance to really play with one, is a capybara. So, uh, oh. Uh, Piggy Barra or something would be my blended thing. Huh. And I guess, yeah, some some pigs are like quite wiry. Like their fur is like quite nasty. Yeah. So I guess I'd want the capybara body for stroking. Right. And the cute bit of face. You know? Have but that nice the texture face on the fur, yeah. Okay, the I, I would do it unlike our game, where it's like the head and the body. I would slice it down the middle, like that guy who cut the, the cow in half for art. Right. So I'd slice the pig, the the pig and the capybara down the middle, and glue them that way. So depending on which way I look at it, I have both the animals. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna play with the pig. So I look at him from the left, and he's a pig. Looking from the right, and he's capybara. 
That's what I want. Oh, incredible. I love it. Because I want to eventually own both the animals. Mm-hmm. And so if I do it this way, I can save money on food and everything as well. Because I get both the animals for one. Right. A lot easier to look after. That's ah, brilliant. I'd never thought of it. Thanks for your question. <laughs> You know, I think I was going to leave things there because I think that is like the best way to end the show. Because <laughs> I really can't get that visual out of my mind of what that would look like and how that's also <laughs> imagine how they line that's, up. That's also a goal of yours in life. Like this is what it means to be a game developer, to have enough disposable income to afford to buy these two animals to own at some point. Yeah, it's true. I like, I, and I actually think that. The irony is I, I thought about like, what if the game is a hit? Like what, what would I There's do? There's no question it's going to be a hit, James. There's no question. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. All right. But if it is, <laughs> I owe it to myself. It's like, it's like destiny or something, right? That a game about animals would have to allow me to fulfill my dream of buying those two animals. I'd, I'd have to move country probably. I don't think I can keep them What here, comes so. first, but, the, uh, the bigger flat or the animals? Because having those two in your current place, I think that's hilarity. That has to happen at some point. <laughs> it's a, you, get, you can't. It's against the law, sadly. <laughs> I, so there you go. Why, why would I go to prison? Why would the police arrest me for keeping a capybara and a pig in my right. flat? Maybe maybe that's right. it, not drinking. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. All right, James. You have been a phenomenal person to talk to. This has been highly entertaining, and I love you so much. I think you're a kindred spirit in a lot of ways. The darkness. Wow. I feel a connection here. Uh, and I can't wait to have you back on the show once the game is close to release. And speaking of that, oh, when it's when it's out, and then I'll come back and I'll play, play yeah. you back the sound bites of you saying things like "It's going to be a hit," well, but it wasn't. <laughs> like, at this point, I don't believe any game is going to be. I I've become so jaded about the possibility of having a successful product. Mm. I just don't believe it. Right until right. you know, I'll have yeah. all the hope and optimism for you. You carry on okay, thinking. Good. You're going to have $10 in the bank next week. That's fine. I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, obviously, I still love making games, and that's all that matters, right. right? As long as I can afford to carry on making and games. I think I'm that's right. the true mark of a game developer, how you can be at such a low, and this is still what you want to do with your life. And I think that <laughs> comes through in such a huge way in the games you make, and in this game especially. And on that note... Oh, thank you. Where can we find this game? Plug all the Twitter, website, social media. Go for it. Where can we find about you and Let's Build a Zoo? Um, I, I guess uh, Springloaded Dev on Twitter, but I never tweet, so that'd be useless. Um, springloadedsoftware.com, but I never update it, so that would be useless. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we're on Steam. There's lots of mm-hmm. games. Uh, I think it says something like there are six games coming soon from Spring Loaded, and none of them are really coming soon. I don't mm-hmm. really. We keep on emailing Steam and saying, can we put back the launch date by another year? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, you can, yeah, just message me if you want to know anything about anything, really. All message right. me on Twitter. All right. And maybe occasionally, um, no more robots, Twitter. We'll tweet about. Yeah, well, that's, that's the one to follow, really. Oh, Discord. Mm-hmm. We have a Discord. That's oh, there the you go. Play. Discord. Yeah, that's a place I actually go all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any idea what the link is. Oh, we'll we'll put a link in the description. Okay, so. I'll send you the link and you can put it in. Yeah, oh, but that, that's a and I will place. happily join I, and be part of this. I love insanity. the Discord action. You know, chatting All to right. people is great. 
All right, James, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank I you. really cannot wait for this game to come out. That was Let's Build a Zoo. And as always, listeners, be excellent to each other. <laughs>